Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome back to Shared History Under the Kilt. We're doing it. I don't know. I got distracted by how aggressive that welcome back was. <laughs> it was. I'm just so... I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. All right? <laughs> I'm, Adam, I'm Adam McNamara. Hi and I'm Natalie Younger, and I'm waiting for the coffee to hit me the way that it clearly has hit Adam. <laughs> I've had, like, three jugs, so I'm, like, fleeing. Um... <laughs> <laughs> So this is your uh, your your new and you know the best Scottish history podcast out there isn't isn't that right I mean bold claim we'll see if we can follow through <laughs> I I don't know if we're new at this point Adam at this point Oh come on of course we are every single week feels brand new <laughs> Just like that what what is this what can, what's happening you and I sign off and then just basically like men in black, like bloop ourselves and just don't remember how to do anything or remember yeah. anything. That's what but seems we're, to happen. It's fine. That's how I felt about actual history class. So I'm glad that we're well, going that's, on. That's these... the whole reason. That's why we've started this, right? Yeah, because we didn't retain anything because no. it was all just a lot of dates and rubbish. Yeah. And we're getting guests on to help absorb that information. And, and, <laughs> sorry, I'm looking at <laughs> One of our guests may have just perished. Yeah, because, well, we'll soon, we'll soon see why. We'll soon see why. Is that now, is that now part of our, um, is that a remit is just to offend everyone before they come on? <laughs> Probably. Uh, oh, right. No, now I remember why. <laughs> Yes! Yes! <laughs> oh. So, so, so Nat, what's under the kilt today? Uh, just some thistle. That sounds sore. <laughs> I mean, if you, I, I'll take a balm if you have one. Uh, I was just, you know, I was just walking around. That could nip. That could nip if it's cracked the skin. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a bit concerned, you know. You kicking about with like, like I didn't knives. Put the thistle thistles. under the kilt. The thistle found its way under the kilt. Okay, okay. Well, that's that's a strange thing to have, but you know, each to their own. Can I tell you what's under the kilt today? I I wish you would. <laughs> good, good. Thank you. Today we have two guests. How cool is that? It's a duo. Yeah, Super it's a cool. duo. <laughs> and um, reading the bios, it just kind of shows the kind of show, the kind of show it's going to be, it shows. <laughs> right. We have a history teacher, a writer, and long-suffering wife to act an actor once described as a fat Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> she hails from Elgin, northeast of Scotland, and um, she will be heading back to school very soon for the twenty-first year of teaching. 
and then uh, off to uni to do an MLet in creative writing. And I have offended her. <laughs> You've offended her. But to, but to hopefully, I'm friends with all my old history teachers. That's what's wild about it. To temper, to hopefully temper the level of offense, uh, if only to hold her back from throwing punches at the camera. Uh, it's Stephen McCall, actor, music enthusiast, and the best second husband Emma has ever had. <laughs> and I believe it. Wow. Uh, he has... that, that's probably the most accurate introduction I've ever had. <laughs> uh, he hails from, Ca I'm going to, is it Castle Milk Gla is Glasgow? That's it, that's it. I've never heard it quite pronounced quite like that. It's lovely in your accent. Yes, it is Castle Ca Milk. Is it Castle Milk? Or as we used to call it when we were young because we thought we were being continental Chateau Olay. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Oh my gosh. Uh, it was either Chateau Olay or the Bronx. That was its nickname when I was growing up. It was quite a place. Quite a place. <laughs> one of the other. I'm glad that Adam introduced Emma. One, because I already offended, offended her. Offended me, yeah. Uh, but two, because I there is there is a town of the same name near me that is pronounced Elgin, and so I would ah, not okay. have pronounced uh -huh. it correctly. There you go. But, and that's, mm. what, that's how we ask for a gin in Scotland. Elgin. Elgin. <laughs> Many. But um, so guys, guys. Yes, what, Adam? What? Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. And you can tell it's incredibly professional. I can hear you're very, very excited by it, Adam, and I'm equally as excited to be here doing this with my beautiful wife. Oh. Right. Emma was like, totally. oh, that's me. Oh. Me. She literally forgot that she had a second husband there for a second. Uh, I guess because I, start, because I started with some light uh, history curricula bashing, it's not the teachers, it's the structured curriculum in the United States of America. Um, and, and also Scotland, so. Yeah. Great, okay. Yeah. That's what I've uh, gathered from Adam, but you can never be quite sure whether Adam just was, like, not paying attention. Oh, here we go. Or... You have said, you have admitted to this, sir. Yeah. I mean, in fact, we were we were at a house party um, a good few years ago now, and I think Emma and I got quite drunk in the kitchen and just what? What? No, no, sorry, I, I was steaming. You were completely sober, and um, and then, and we just got like right into the history chat, which is and that when we started doing this podcast, I was like, get Emma and Stephen on. That'd be great. So what you're saying is that we wanted to get Emma on and we just wound up with Steven. He was there. Yes. He was in the house. So. He's, he's, a like, two, I have, he's a twofer. Yeah. He, he's like, I have the equipment. So <laughs> I'm inviting myself to this party. Yes. If I'm plugging one mic in, I'm fucking plugging two. <laughs> and I'm getting in on this action. Uh, well, I guess, Stephen, do you... Have you always have you always liked history, or did you just kind of find yourself only since I started shagging a history teacher? <laughs> That's a good answer. No, I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, big fan, big fan of the history, big fan of the history. Uh, I mean, no, because I, like you, uh, I didn't pay very much attention when I was at school. I left school when I was fifteen. I always wanted to be an actor, you know. Uh, over the years, 
you know, I've enjoyed the odd historical documentary or movie about, you know, I liked Schindler's List, you know. I, I don't mind things set in the past. Uh, the only th- the only thing about history is there's just so much of it. There's just so, like, everything that's ever happened before now is history. That's mind-blowingly big to get your head around, you know. Which is why, you know, slight defence of my people. Yeah. Um, I do I do hear this all the time, and particularly over lockdown, and, you know, there's been a lot of stuff recently about um, the teaching of black history, particularly in America and the UK, and history teachers have kind of been slated mm-hmm. a lot. So my defence would be slightly, yes, it's largely to do with curriculum, and we would love to teach more and do more and do a a wider variety of topics. However, we are kind of constrained by essentially what a kid is going to be examined on. Yeah. And if it's not that, we can't teach it. So that's, it needs a massive overhaul. Massive yeah. overhaul. Yeah. That feels, that's like mind-blowing. It's like, yeah. we're not going to teach you about all the other bits of history because you're not going to get tested on that. So we're just going to tell you about spitfires and the imperialism. Which and, is you know, lower, like younger... Younger kids, there's a bit more freedom maybe because it's not building up to an exam. So you will get teachers who can be really creative in kind of primary school and first and second year. But if you're picking history as a subject to sit and examine, we are constrained yeah. within kind of three sets of areas that we have to teach. And it's it's really time for it to be updated. Yeah, we, um, absolutely. Well, I, I know that when I was, in, when I was in, in college, but also when I was in high school, we had... I would occasionally take like a special topics history class, which was always lovely because it was not building up. It was building up to the final exam for that class that that teacher was deciding what it was, but it was, it was an elective. It was never part of what I was required to take. And those are the best classes because those were teachers choosing a topic that they're really passionate about and just being like, great, we're just going to focus on, I think I took a, I took a U.S. history through film class. That was a riot. Um, Or just like, we're just going to focus on the golden age of the Mediterranean. And we're like, just teachers getting to teach what they... Is that just a teacher putting their holiday snaps up from Spain? I mean... That is what it sounds like. 1982, the golden age of the Mediterranean. Here's me on the beach in a bikini. Yes. (laughs) Before uh, I was just I mean, like down. <laughs> there were often just photos of of the teacher at like the like the Parthenon. And yeah, that's like, somebody's holiday snaps. That's a great class. I'm going to try and introduce that in Scotland. I I pick a place that you want to travel to yeah. and be like, hey, Hol- we need holidays a- that I've been on. <laughs> yeah. We need a, so, we need so, so, so guys, 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 Castle Milk and Elgin, what's the difference? Yes. <laughs> Elgin's more violent. Yeah. No, no, it's it not. Is it, well, yeah, it's, <laughs> see those, see those, Glasgow's like the biggest city in Scotland, right? I mean, it's a huge, big, sprawling city, right? And Castle Milk is like a, you would have been described back in the day as a ghetto and a, a really huge kind of council estate in the middle of it. Uh, uh, in the very kind of south side of it. And the people, when you grew up there, Castlemilk was everything, you know? We didn't even venture out of it much, you know? It was just this huge place, so it was split into all these little different areas, and it was kind of vast. And then when I have been up to Elgin to visit it, it's just like, it's 
looks beautiful and it's amazing. Go, this place, oh, imagine growing up here and then you go for a night out and it's just as violent <laughs> and just as crazy. So you realise that, oh, these places are kind of the same. You know, yeah. everybody feels a wee bit trapped in the place where they grow up. And so on the face of it, there's huge differences. But I think when you just look underneath, they're very, very similar. You know, I think the... When I moved to Glasgow, one of my friends from Elgin said, oh my God, it's, it's so scary, it's so terrifying, there's going to be, you know, see so much uh, violence and so many fights. Have never seen a bit of bothering Glasgow. I took Stephen up for a weekend and we went out for a night out and we, <laughs> <laughs> the high street in Elgin was just mental. Honestly, it was like run, <laughs> running battles, man. It was crazy. <laughs> So it was that's crazy small stuff, town Northeast Scotland. Do you know? Do you know? Like, you know it's funny because, like, when I was in Muir, when I worked in Kirrymuir, there was just one night. Uh, it was like the farmers had this big mad night out. Oh, they're the worst. Uh, they're, uh, what is that? It's like they just build up to this one night and then. They, yeah, I think I, it is. Yeah, and I was just standing there. I was on my own. I was. This is when I was in the, the police, and I was just like, "What am I doing?" Everyone was fighting everybody, and I, I, then I watched a guy get thrown through a shop window, and I was just like, "What's?" What and they went uh, backups twenty five minutes away and I was like, what do, what do I do? <laughs> Join in. Honestly, I I think it is a thing with farmers and fishermen. I think it's that job where it's such like farmers, you know, working every day and you're up really early. They don't get any time off, mm. and when they have a night off, they go mental. Yeah. For the young farmers associations, that's it. Out, legendary. Well, I mean, absolutely have, bonkers. Have you ever gone out with somebody where it's like you're the first person that they've gotten away from their kid after they've had like their first child? <laughs> like like new oh, new moms there. on their first night out? <laughs> are very much like farmers, is that what you're saying? <laughs> are horrifying. I'm always I've, like, been, I've been that farmer. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it kicks things up a notch. Yeah, you're just wide-eyed going like that. How much can I drink? <laughs> Everybody's coming on this journey with me. Everybody. You're all in it. Nobody's pulling out. You know, they're like, they want their crew back. N- new moms on their first big night out have talked me into going to like third and fourth locations long after my bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just so happy to see you. I haven't seen you in a bit, minute, but also my liver is crying out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hardcore. Like when I went out, uh, I think, you know, you, you go out with all the best intentions of being like, I'm, oh, I'm going to really enjoy tonight. And then in my case, it was like two pints. And I was like, I am so tired. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, get that early night and uh, have a long lie. Yeah. Oh, God. Long <laughs> lies. Yeah. Welcome to the old person podcast <laughs> for people that used to party and have good times. <laughs> here, here, listen to us all. I know. I know. Ridiculous. I know. I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be a, uh, an old person who can't hang. <laughs> I know I was talking I just as I was talking about as I wasn't lumping you in You're just lumping Adam in oh, lumping Adam in here I. we go here we go eh? I'm literally there wearing we a Hawaiian shirt and I'm hungover so. yeah. it's like you've just come back from a Magnum PI party or something <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah where's your moustache I think yeah, you're very good at the making them oh yeah my, my, my moustache uh, didn't survive me eating a hot dog uh, yesterday. So you've eaten. Does that happen? Does that happen with real mustaches? When you eat a hot dog, they just slowly peel off of your face. Uh, no. <laughs> it happens to me every time. 
But you used to have a big, a, a big beard, and sometimes you would have food in that, you know, from for later on. Yeah, you yeah, snacks. It's, it's called a yeah. flavor saver. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's why you grow the beard. For context for our listeners who are like, why are they talking about Natalie having a mustache? Or it, honestly, at this point, the listeners might just be like, yeah, Natalie rocking a yeah, mustache. Context, context. She makes, yeah. she makes mustaches. Yeah, and yeah. I only have one hobby, and it's disgusting. Uh, <laughs> I, had a, I had a party where we all dressed as dads, and I made a spectacular mustache. And it looked really good, and I will take all the compliments on my mustache. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks. So, what's been happening? What's what's happening with with you both? Anything exciting? I don't know if you've heard. There's a, there's a really nasty bug going around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've heard uh, whispers. We while. Uh, so we've just been avoiding uh, humanity yeah. uh, for the past kind of eighteen months, and boy, has it been good. Uh, <laughs> We built a cabin in the garden. And uh, yeah, working. I was there. Adam put a foot. Adam. Your footprint is still imprinted on the inside of said on cabin. On the roof. I know. It's yeah. great. Know. Your, your big boot. My big bit. Your big I boot. was there. I helped. And it was, um, you did. I mean, I like to say I helped. I, I spoke yeah. a lot, drank coffee, held I things you, up. I made you soup. I think you, you had did, soup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was excellent. Your height, your height, and gargantuan frame came in very handy <laughs> for a couple of those larger beams. Uh, so you were very welcome. Uh, what else? I mean, recently, I've got stuff coming out on the telly box and stuff. You know, I don't know if it was. What's that? Earlier, what have you got coming out? An actor and uh, 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 well, vigils coming out soon. We are mutual friend to be Dan Portman's in it as well. That's right. So yeah. there was also in Black Watch with us, which is how me and Adam met. Yeah. Um, so that's coming out soon, and I just finished filming Shetland, which um, I think Americans love. They love that, don't they? They love the Shetland. Mm-hmm. They're big on on stuff set on islands and stuff. So yeah. that, I did the latest series of that, which was great. I was on it for a couple of months. So a nice long bit of work, and now I'm gloriously unemployed again. Yay! And awaiting <laughs> stuff to happen and phones to ring. <laughs> Although I last night I I nipped over to uh, Richard's house. Oh, did you see his headshots? I did. Oh. Not Richard's headshots, Stephen's headshots. Hi, Stephen's headshots. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and they're ah, they're glorious. I know he's a very good snapper, and I have a very nice napper for the forties. Is he literally looks like a massive ride in every single? I know, and, I don't, and, and for the listeners out there, I look nothing like that in real life. So it's the magic of this is why I love being an actor. The magic of film, and you know, it can make you look something totally different. I do. I actually look at the photographs, and I'm going, "My God, I'm a handsome man." And, I, and then I look in a mirror and I think, no, you're not. <laughs> so it's really weird. It's really strange. Well, but, I uh, think yes, you are a handsome man. Thank you very much. But Richard did, did do a, a did tremendous a job. job. He's a very good photographer. He is, isn't he? Uh, he's very, very good, yeah. Talented wanker. I know, I know, I know, I know. For <sighs> listeners, this is uh, Richard Rankin, comma, talented wanker. <laughs> yes, yes, of uh, Outlander fame, and yeah. uh, we we all did uh, the Black Watch together, and uh, did. Yeah, he's, he's had quite the it's quite the wee career over the last four or five years. So yeah. you know, brilliant. Like, he can afford all the good cameras. That's why he's <laughs> a good photographer. He's got the good equipment. Yeah, but he's very he's very talented, and I'm I'm you know I, I'm, he's bleeding them through. Him. Every couple of days, he sends me two or three other 
What a, what a so, fucking tease. I know. No. Listen, he knows exactly what he's doing. He keeping me on the, he's keeping me on the hook. He's reeling me in slowly. He's getting me to go on podcasts and see how good a photographer he is. See, he now we're talking about him. We've been doing. talking about him exactly. way too fucking long, by the way. Exactly. He's not even here. I know, exactly. What have you been up to, Emma? Richard Rankin. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> That was oh. sharp as a tack. Yep. <laughs> no, she's quick, isn't she? She's That's quick. why she's doing her creative writing. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, but it's true, I am going back. I have been teaching for 21 years, which is horrendous when you think about it. Um, so, yeah, back to do that. But I have dropped a day at work so I can spend some more time writing. I've been doing a lot of writing in the last year. And I decided to go back and do a master's. Amazing. So start, start that in September. So hopefully I have a wee idea for a novel and I would love to get that out at the end of the, the master's. So that's the plan. So is it you want to you do a book? You, do you want to write a novel or do you want to go into screenplays? Or like well, what's I've the... been, been doing a bit of both. So I've written bits of a, a kind of comedy drama thing. Uh, I've written a couple of little short monologues, short plays. But um, I think the, the idea with doing the master's is I'll hopefully come out with this a novel at the end of it. I've got an idea. I've got an idea that I would like to see through. So I think a master's is a good way to go in and get, you know, get supported and be a bit more disciplined with my writing and stuff. So that's that's the plan. Brilliant. Uh, the plan also ends up with me, by the way, writing a really popular novel that makes a load of money so I can quit my job entirely and move to the sea. <laughs> and then you we'll you beat me it. to that by a, yeah. by a breath. There. <laughs> 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 yeah. And then write the screenplay and Stephen might be in it. Richard Rankin will definitely be in it. Oh, oh he's right, lead guy. Playing yeah. Stephen McCall. <laughs> ah, yeah. Adam McNamara playing Rick Rankin. The only person that's not going to be in it is fucking me. You'd get a part. Oh, thanks, babe. Yeah. <laughs> throwing, throwing the old dog a bone there. You'll get a wee part in it. Oh, I'm sure there'll be a day on it for you. <laughs> Yeah, supporting artists. Yeah. So listen, before we get on to the actual, like the the, the main um, story that you have brought for us today, mm-hmm. is there any fascinating pieces of history that you can recall from Elgin and from Castle Milk? Is there anything around that area that you kind of go, oh, actually, that was pretty cool, or that was fascinating or interesting? Well, Cal- Elgin's just full of whiskey and wool. That's, that's the two things that we are famous for. Those, that's uh, pretty much my plans for every winter in Chicago. It's just whiskey <laughs> and wool. Of course, because it's Elgin, Illinois, isn't it? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Or the El- Elgin. Elgin. Yeah. Elgin. Uh, but yeah, so we are pretty much famous for making all the whiskeys, uh, the Speyside ones, the good ones. And well, uh, ca- Isla's, Isla's pretty good. Isla's but... also a good one, yeah. And, sh- and sheep making woolen things. <laughs> woolen bits and pieces. Gloves, cashmere jumpers, and the like. Aye, Casimilk used to be a farm. It was Casimilk Farm. I can't tell you who owned it, but it was a huge, huge, massive kind of farm, farmland. And there was a golf course there. And I remember seeing uh, an article about the scheme that I grew up in being built. And it was how it was impacting the golfers. So there's a golf course attached to the side at the side of this farm, and then the farmer sold all his land to the council to make this huge um, estate. And in this this photograph, there's like 
thirties golfers or however however long ago it was, and in the background they were constructing this this scheme in the background. So it was all about how this. So the council had to buy the golf course from whoever owned the golf course, and it became a community golf course and was there for up until recently, and I think just recently they've sold it, but it was like a cheap, really great golf course, and everybody from Castmock came down who were into golf and played in it, and I think there was a couple of really good good players that came from there because they had a golf course, an 18-hole golf course, as part of their kind of scheme, if you like. It was wow. part of their community. And then you and your I mean, that's really, when, like I think, I hear, when I hear myself say that, it's really not that fucking interesting. No, 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 but it's no. the only thing that's brought your mind. <laughs> I'm sure there's been a couple of serial killers that have come through there. That would be a better <laughs> story. And but buried no. them on the 18th. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's not a mound. It's just the arses sticking out the grin. Yeah, there's these like weird mushrooms that only grow on the 19th. Uh, and the 19th oh, hole? Oh, there was, there was lots of they good... Are, there yeah, was, that, that 19th hole is a weird one. There yeah. was lots of good... <laughs> doozy. I remember lots of good mushrooms growing on that golf course when I was a kid. <laughs> And I, I was going to say, did you, uh, you and your pals like steal the golfers' balls and then yes, try and sell yes. them back? That was like a rite of passage growing up there. You would have to hide in the trees, <laughs> and then the golfers would play all the shots, and everybody would run out, grab the balls, run away, and then you'd hide in the trees and they'd go looking for their ball for ages. And go, fucking oh bastard! <laughs> Convinced they were a terrible golfer, but they'd actually hit a cracking shot. We'd stole all the balls, and then we'd go back and sell them. At the end of the day, we'd go, "You want to buy any balls? We'd have like a bag of fifty balls." 50 balls for a pound, mate. And you'd try and sell them their balls back. Yeah. But yep. yeah. I've been there. Everybody did that. Everybody yep. did that. It's a rite of passage. <laughs> Excellent. Young entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Business thinking. Yeah? Yeah. Get a pound to buy, go and buy some loose cigarettes. Huh? Some entrepreneurial spirit right there. <laughs> <laughs> We just got to sneak right in here real quick and hit pause. And uh, that's me speaking some Midwestern, but we're not going to speak Midwestern anymore because it's your favorite segment, Talking uh-huh. Scots. Yes. What if I do an entire episode where I just talk like this the whole time? I'm vamping right now because I have murdered our producer, Kathleen, who was not expecting me to come in here full Minnesota. <laughs> And might have choked on her water, but it sounds the same to me. (laughs) (laughs) So Kathleen has coming has come back for our favorite segment of uh, talking Scots, where we're just slowly learning the entire vocabulary. I think we've got. I think we've learned almost every word of Scots, almost Almost. all of it. But our guests have. A new word for us. So, Emma, Stephen, what is our word today? Well, the the word I have chosen for you to add to your ever-expanding vocabulary today is the word glicket. First of all, we really like it it at the end of the... Yes. Uh, Wait, glick it? Like G... Glicket. Oh, so there's a there's a in it. Oh, yeah, that, there's always a in it if it's a decent Scottish word. Would you like us to spell it? Yes. So it's G L A I K I T. Glake it. That helps. Glake it. <laughs> no, it's a, it was it's the a first great for word. me. I didn't know how you spelt it either. <laughs> it's a great word. I didn't know how you spelt it. 
That's a good word. That is a good word. Um, glacket. I'm glad that you spelled it because I, in my head, was hearing it as like basically glick it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so like Jimmy Glick? <laughs> the Martin Short character? Um, which would be a weird thing to have a specific Scots word for. Aha. <laughs> glick it. Glick it. Glick it. Okay. This is a word that you would use on uh, Great British Bake Off because this word means that you are glazing something. So if something has like a nice, not a ganache, but a nice glaze, like a raspberry glaze on it, you would say, you would, if I was like, what do you want me to do with this, with this tart? And you would say, glake it. I love the three of us. Steve and Emma and me were just like that. Where the fuck is this going? I was saying the words and feeling the same thing. Um, like giddy. That you're like you're 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 joyous and giddy, but that's. I won't know until we know if it's a noun or a verb or yeah what yeah. What part of speech is this? Yeah. yeah. See, I love that you made it a verb. It's yeah. a noun. Well, right. is it? It's... No, actually, not true. Mm. It's probably an adjective, isn't it's it? An adjective. It's an adjective. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Well, um, if Scottish adjectives serve uh, the knowledge that we have of them, <laughs> this is another word for the weather is shit. <laughs> yes. Probably. Yes, another one. Call... We have because... many. We because have many words. <laughs> like like the Inuits have for snow. Can you, have... can you use it in a sentence? I can use it in a sentence. Uh, I would say that uh, my good friend Adam McNamara has been known to be a wee bit glacet from time to time. Big! <laughs> <laughs> Old! Bold! Wait a minute. From oh. time to time. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck does that oh, mean? A wee bit glacet. Yes. Glacet. <laughs> if someone is if someone is glacet, they're a bit they're of an idiot. They're a bit loose. daft. They're a bit screw loose. Jesus they're a bit silly. Christ. A bit of a dafty. Bit of a dafty. Can I, can I, can I, can I just <laughs> say for a minute? Nat's face when she said stupid, right? I know, she looks so delighted. She was so delighted. Her eyes were big, <laughs> the big smile. She was like, I got it, I got it, I know what it is. I think oh. that was an espresso just hitting her at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <as> yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> the espresso yeah. mixed with the just like rush of dopamine that I get insulting. <laughs> I get to insult him. You can't go too far though because we need a place to stay whenever we come to Glasgow. Well, I guess I have another friend we got Glasgow. a list now. Yeah, we have a we lot have a of friends now in Glasgow. You're um, not your drinking. Richard, he's got two oh, yeah. he's, he's got, he's got a couple places. <laughs> One of them's just sitting there. Richard. Uh. So I, okay. I bet you were almost right with the glaze thing as well, because it is kind of a bit, uh, you know, when people are a bit glazed eyed, mm-hmm. a bit, ooh, I don't know. Ooh. So the glaze thing, I thought you were you were close there with that, only you wouldn't describe not, not a cake. Not in a cake sense. I would cake. like to thank you for turning that insult on Adam instead of seizing a ripe opportunity after the nonsense that I had just said to be like, Natalie's initial guest of what this word means was glacet. Yeah. But you know so, what? We, ha- we have another game to play later on, so, you know. <laughs> There's yeah, still time. I, There's I still, still time. haven't got you back for the history teacher stuff yet. That's yeah. fair. That's... 
Hi. I'm loving this. That, that's still coming. Going. I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in trouble, but I got a point. Oh. You did. You got a point. You got in there first. Count it. Back to the episode. <laughs> Why are we here today? Why are you guys on the show? What are we going to Good talk about? Good question. Because you asked and we said yes. yes. <laughs> because you're going to talk about... Oh, oh, We're yeah. going to talk about... We would like to talk about Mary Barber. Okay. So Mary Barber is definitely becoming a bit more well-known in Glasgow now, but probably not out with Scotland. I don't know if you have heard of Mary Barber, Adam. No. Oh, X, we picked a good one. Yes, they don't good, know. They don't know. It's a good so, story. Um, Mary Barber became uh, an organiser in Glasgow because World War, Glasgow obviously was a massive city in terms of munitions and shipbuilding and railways and so on. So loads of people had to move to the city for work. And the men obviously eventually got conscripted. So there were very few men here, but lots of women. And the women were working in the factories. And it needed to be somewhere that they could walk to their work because it had to be close. They usually had kids. So the landlords, because there were no council houses at this time, decided to increase their rents. And Mary Barber, along with lots of other women, but Mary Barber largely led these women in campaigning against uh, rent increases uh, during the First World War. So they got together, they had formed this organisation um, and when the landlord said they were putting the rent up, they would picket the houses where these rents were being increased. So you would get kicked out if you weren't going to pay your increased rent and the landlord would try and relate it to somebody else. So the women would organise a barricade of the tenement close. So oh. a tenement close, if you're not familiar with tenements, most people in Glasgow at that time lived in flats that had a common entrance. Um, and so to get to your flat, you had to go through this common entranceway, this kind of common passageway. And the women would organise themselves by getting prams, babies, and as much stuff as they could kind of um, gather in front of the doorway. And when somebody from a uh, sheriff's office would come along and try and evict the person from their flat, they would kind of attack the sheriff officers with flour and form these huge barricades and stop them getting in. So eventually they took this issue to court and they had been able to get the shipyard workers and the railway workers on their side and eventually took it to court and they defeated the government. So the government had to introduce this act that agreed they would return all rents in Glasgow back to pre-World War I prices so that the women could afford to stay there. Um, and so it was kind of massive kind of start of social housing in Glasgow basically and, and she was really the person who kind of spearheaded it. And she went on to do other stuff as well. So she becomes elected as Glasgow's one of the first female councillors. She becomes a magistrate. And she's involved in loads of stuff in terms of social housing and maternity pay. And she's just a real spearhead, like a real kind of figurehead for, for organising and social housing and lots of other things in Glasgow. So she is the person that we would like to talk about. Excellent. Stephen's done loads of research well, on her. <clears throat> what I didn't do <laughs> was any research... <laughs> <laughs> because uh, on your thing it said, well, something you would like to know more about or something you know about. So you're getting two of us. So you're getting one who knows all about it and one who knows nothing about it. Right. But I have heard a little bit. I, I did know who Mary Barber was a little bit. The, the people that she organised were called Barber's Army. There's folk songs written about her. And you're talking about 
back in the First World War, you know, there's all these stories that you'll always hear about that get passed down about really strong women, you know, those wee women that would fight, especially during wartime, you know, and they were they were kind of left and people would try and take advantage of them. And I just love the the idea of this wee Glasgow woman going, no, nah, I'm not having it, you know? <laughs> and it's the same, these are similar things to like the, when the poll tax was brought in to yeah, Scotland and people right. would, 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 would stop people being evicted. And it's still happening now. People in Govan Hill, when they tried to take those two asylum seekers away, people that's right. went, no, nah, we're not having it. Yeah. And, and it, I love that that's been happening in Glasgow for over a hundred years or, or longer. Yeah. People here, when they see a, an injustice from the government, will stand up and go, no, nah, we're not having it. Yeah. People like Mary Barber were organising them, you know. There's a great wee connection there between Mary Barber and the stuff that happened actually in Pollock Shields and, and Kemmuir Street. So these were two asylum seekers who the UK government were trying to evict mm -hmm. uh, and just in case you don't know the story so the community basically rallied round people were lying underneath the government immigration van so it wouldn't move and so on um, and they were successful the, the two guys got released at the end of the day but the guy who wrote the song about Mary Barber um, Mrs Barber's army he actually lived in that same street in Kenmuir Street wow um, so he he's a really interesting story as well but yeah so he lived there until 2010 I thought that was a nice wee connection you know so there's her campaigning and stopping people being evicted and the guy that wrote the folks on lived in the very same street where that happened that is so cool yeah he's that a, connection an is interesting brilliant. guy as well yeah it's a good one i feel like we've we've touched on uh bad like first of all badass women but badass like glaswegian women have come up a lot and adam you and i've like had a conversation before i think about like how glasgow almost almost was like matriarchal in a sense because yeah. there's a lot of a lot of women who kind of took power who like ran gangs and and it's it's for during wartime the stories during wartime Stephen, like you said that were always like oh look at all these look at the women while the men were away like standing up it's like they they would have been doing that before but you you wouldn't let them and then you shipped all of the men <laughs> away yeah. to a war and then we're like, shit, somebody's got to build ships now. I guess we can give the we can give women jobs as riveters. And I guess we can. Oh, oh, they're fucking good at things. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back then, I mean, the, the, the game of football or soccer, as you'll all know, it over there in America, it was women who were brilliant at that. And they figured out how to play it better than any men, and the, I think back in World War One, there was a team of women that would go around and do exhibition games <clears throat> against all the male teams and thoroughly thrash them. You're talking 20 nil. They would just hammer them because they figured out it's about positional play. The men were all running about like a, like a sketch, like a, <laughs> Monty like a Monty Python sketch <laughs> all running about after the ball, whereas the women spread themselves out, were smart enough to think, no, positional play, you know, make space, and they were, they were amazing. They were brilliant. So what did they do? They made it illegal for yeah, women to play football. What? They banned women's football for years and years because they were like, no, we can't have that. The women are making us look foolish. We'll take all their ideas and we'll implement it in the men's game and ban women from playing football. In in the States, uh, the the women are still much better at soccer. Than oh, yeah. Your yeah, yeah. women are amazing. I think they just won Olympic gold again, have they not? Uh, the U.S. women's national team just won. They took bronze, which oh, was, was it bronze? yeah. They still medaled, but they had to like fight tooth and nail for 
for bronze. But it was seen as a women's game in America for a long time, wasn't it? Because it wasn't that gridiron, rough and tumble, you know, baseball, American football. It wasn't one of those. There's nothing kind of rough and tumble about baseball, I want to <laughs> well, say. Well, they chew tobacco and spit and stuff. I think that's, that's it, isn't it? They chew tobacco and spit and, and stand about and scratch their nuts and yep. stuff. It's, I mean, yep. I think I believe that's part of the game. The nut scratching is actually part of the... How they're the not get, getting Vaseline that they've tucked in behind their scrotum or something. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Their personal preference is their own uh, thing. I mean, that's good. I'm is not that, sure. that some kind of drag football that you've been watching there? I oh, no, I would watch I that. would watch the yes. fuck out of that. Yes, yeah, drag, drag queen base. football. Yeah, we, we have said that before. We have said that before. It would be amazing. great. Drag ball. Welcome to drag ball 2021. And that's what you're doing. That's the action, isn't it? Dragging the ball to get the Vaseline. <laughs> One, just parting it to the side. Yeah. See, we've yeah. just invented a new sport, which we should probably try and invest in or something. Yeah, let's get in early. I'm going to go ahead and say that of of our uh, of our inventions and innovations so far in this podcast, I like the idea of drag ball. I don't like the way that you just pitched it, Adam. <laughs> Let not necessarily Poor Mary Barber. She got about three seconds, and then we're on to we're on to Vaseline no, on the so nuts. Much, there's so much we more will, good we, stuff we'll to say. We'll be going back to Mary Barber. <laughs> we we will not forget her. No, of course not. Because I, I was actually going. To, I was. I was. I was going to make the point about uh, what Nat was saying, guys. Is that um, you know, the 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 chats that we've had about uh, historic women in history in Glasgow, they were it was a very matriarchal society, and you've got women uh, running pubs and gangs and like households, and that were like they were so powerful. But in the West End, the West End of Glasgow, there was that switch where women seemed to be a little bit more subjugated. And it was that that strange kind of... Middle class. Yeah, it was that strange thing. And um, it, it's it's very, very interesting if you were to, like, to you know, to, to pick it and like, to discuss why that was. But um, yeah, I, I just think it's a very fascinating point that Glasgow historically have always had very strong women. Yeah. I think it is a class thing. Because it's one yeah. of those things, you know, we, one of the topics that we teach is uh, votes for women and the campaign for votes. And, you know, there's this kind of traditional thing of teaching kids about, you know, and the fact is that, you know, because women didn't work, they had lots of time in their hands to campaign. And that's nonsense. Upper class women, of course, didn't work, but working class women had always worked. It's why they weren't so much involved at grassroots campaigning, because they couldn't, because they didn't have the time. So it was seen as that, you know, that was a kind of area where women were allowed to be involved in politics, campaigning, handing out rosettes, you know, writing letters to newspapers. And working class women, to a large extent, not completely, but, you know, to a large extent, weren't involved because they physically didn't have the time to do it. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a big class thing in, you know, in that. Absolutely. Yeah. I Did you, with, with the upper middle class women um, who... Adam said, like, w- would appear to be more, like, subjugated and more expected to, like, adhere to uh, the gender roles being placed upon them. Look down on the badass lower class women who are running <laughs> pubs and running gangs. Like, w- it's like, oh, what a shame that she has to, d- she has to do all of that. And it's probably nine times out of ten. Yeah, the money probably and the livelihood yeah. was shit, but the... But having any autonomy was probably great yeah, yeah. uh-huh but then there was there was also you know that a lot of the campaign of votes for women was very much tied up in also 
campaigning uh, for kind of minimum wage and things like that. And the campaign was actually criticised um, because it kind of split a lot of people. So a lot of people said we well, should just be campaigning for the vote and nothing else. But it was really about trying to get wider rights for a lot more women. So, you know, on the one hand, that was a, it was a really good thing. They were trying to encourage like things like health improvement and maternity grants and, you know, minimum wage for women. But a lot of that took attention away from the singular cause of getting women the vote. But that, I think that's a, that's a common theme in any campaign to do anything. As soon as you start to go, yeah, that's a good thing, but what about this? Because that's also tied up in that. And you see it quite a lot that, that I think, and I think it's a problem with people trying to improve things, which is normally people on, on the kind of left are trying to kind of say, well, more stuff for more people, more equality. There's more infighting on that side of it. Whereas on the other side, on the right, there's less infighting because they just want to maintain the status quo. That's the conservative side. Everything's fine. Don't know what you people are moaning about. They, they, you know, they, their common goal is, is stronger. That's why it's very difficult to kind of fight that conservative right-wing kind of ideology because, you know, everybody else, you, they can see all the different inconsistencies and, and everything that's unfair and there's so much of it. You know, it's it's hard to get those people together to agree on one, mm-hmm. one thing to ca- to campaign against at the same time. You know, there's always a sp- a split. Uh, you know, that's 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 what. It, uh, anyway, back to you, Emma. <laughs> you're much more intelligent than me. I just uh, this just made me think of this. I just recently learned, and I don't remember enough about it. But the, the in America, we're all we're taught that like, oh yes, women could not vote until until the amendment was passed couldn't vote until it was 1919 1920 when the 19th amendment was ratified and women never voted in america before then and because you had to be a land-owning male like white male and i just recently learned that that's bullshit uh and then in like the early 1800s women like in, in new jersey specifically um uh, like women and African Americans had been per- permitted to vote in New Jersey since 1776, which to me is a fun different switch on the uh, lyric from Hamilton where they say everything is legal in New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a po- this this spins it in a positive light um, <laughs> that it was legal for uh, for for black people and women to vote uh, in New Jersey, and then it wasn't until they changed the laws and banned it even in New Jersey, New Jersey banned women from voting not until 1807, but before then, like, so, th- so what we were, what we were even taught of, of, like, what I was always taught was like, yes, we had to fight for suffrage. It's like, no, no, we had, we had the right to vote. And then it was taken. Away. Yeah, it was like, it wasn't a question. And then all, and then it was taken away. And then it had to become this huge fight to like, get it back. All of the rules put in place to stop women from doing things were all a, a kind of modern construct of society. Because if you go if you go back far enough, you'll find that almost all things were led by the the matriarchy, matriarchal societies. When you go back to the like the Iron Age or yeah. you know mm-hmm. indigenous peoples and all that kind of stuff before you know this civilization that they used to tout, you know we're going to civilize the world was was putting the chains on the way things were done before. And I think if you go back far enough, you'll find that the world was very much a matriarchal society you know well it's funny you bring that up because like the our, our uh, episode uh with Gillian Mannion uh, she was on talking about the Picts 
and um, and it was very 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 uh, similar to that. It was it was a matriarchal setup, and it was really socialist. Everyone shared. No one was starved. Everyone got a good share of everything, and mm-hmm. uh, and then people just kept on trying to batter them. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Early, early, w- early white male fragility. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> they've been at it for years. That know, inferiority complex years. is strong. It goes back a long way. Yeah. It has wrecked entire cultures and exactly. and countries and people. Um, um, but this isn't about them. This is about Mary Farber. <laughs> yes. yes, but she would have agreed with everything we just <laughs> she said. Would. I think. She would. So was there anything then that uh, the Mary Barber and her, it was just the, the Barber gang, did you say it was called? Army. Well, so they were kind of nicknamed Mary Barber's Army. Army, okay. And uh, did they push anything through that is still, like, obviously, uh, is there a newer version of it today, but it's all came from the foundations of the work that they put in? Well, funny, like, not necessarily to do with the housing, but when she became a counsellor herself, she was involved in some really radical stuff. So she got Glasgow's first birth control clinic established, which completely split her off from a lot of our kind of um, political people in the council, but from even from other women. I mean, it was such a radical thing to get through, but she said, you know, rich people have known about this stuff for years. Why don't poor women? They need to understand their own bodies. So that was a like a real kind wow. of turning stone moment. That's great. Um, she was also responsible for looking at the redistribution of waste food, which again, I think is a really kind of ties into a real modern day thing. So she complained about the kind of wastage of fish that was left at the end of the day at the fish market down at the salt market. And the fish uh, sellers were saying, oh, it's just the wee sprats, nobody buys them, you know. And she said, well, no, it's not. that. You know, that's stuff that people will eat and people will want. So she arranged an experiment where she took two boxes of fish to govern and it sold out immediately because people were desperate so that became a kind of regular scheme that they got introduced where anything that was left at the end of the day was taken across to govern and people got really cheap fish so i thought that was quite an an interesting one when you think about you know food waste today it looks a bit, you think about that how far we haven't come with yeah something. i mean, yeah. You know, that, I mean that was that's still that was a the 1930s thing that's going on now, that she was trying to do that and that's still ideas people are talking about today yeah. Um, and yeah, she was really forward thinking in terms of, I suppose, women's role and men's role as well. So she wanted to introduce as part of this kind of fertility clinic uh, classes in father craft. And people laughed at her because they didn't believe that men had a job to parent their own children. Wow. And she wanted that to be something that, you know, men had to learn how to look after their, their own kids. So, wow. yeah, she's a pretty radical woman so we have we have mary barber to thank for all of those uh like kind of clickbaity but emotional porn that you would see uh, like you'll see on like youtube or like the now this videos where it's like young single dad learns <laughs> like like single wi- like young widower learns to braid his daughter's hair for the first time oh my God. and then those videos and they're just like i don't want why am i cr- i'm not crying you're crying <laughs> <laughs> somebody's cutting onions because a man learned to braid. Yeah, I could put a video of me putting my daughter's hair in a ponytail. No Nobody's clicking on that. <laughs> yeah, but you're not using a hoover with a thing on it and it's sucking the hair in and doing that and making a ponytail with a with a vacuum cleaner. Anyone, so, you know, anyone with any actual texture in their hair, like any, basically anyone who doesn't have straight hair watches that hoover video and goes like, no, 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 no. You've ruined their curl pattern. 
Yeah, I, you... I don't know what the Hoover video is. So it's a, it was years ago, and it's this guy who puts a puts the the what do you call it the, the thing the elastic that, the, yeah, the elastic, elastic band. band or whatever on the end of the tube of the vacuum cleaner uh-huh. sucks her hair into the vacuum cleaner then just goes oh, dump and right. puts it onto the hair and that was like wow this guy's just rewritten the rule book on how to do your kid's hair man but also I mean, that if ponytail's not going to hold because you got yeah. to double ah, that elastic it's not going to hold he doesn't care he's if just shouting his wife and finish plate. it once he finishes you know, I might have been like, ooh, that, that's... I mean, if you could a do a French tail. plate with a fucking vacuum <laughs> cleaner, that would, uh-huh. I mean, give that guy a Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> well, I mean, my kids, uh, when, when Isla was getting over the old chicken pox and uh, you know how this, the, the, the scalp gets a bit scabby, you know, <gasps> I, I used the Hoover in her head. <laughs> And she loved it. We made a big game out of it. Sucked the scabs off her out of her hair. She loved that it. That is actually we, genius. We vacuum one. We we regularly vacuum one of our cats. <laughs> he gets he gets a little he gets a little dusty. He gets a little dandruffy. He also just w- sheds a lot, and so sometimes we just you know hit him with the vacuum. He's fine with it. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. I think if you repackaged a vacuum cleaner and called it, you know. Cat fluffer or whatever, and re- remarketed it. You, I think a cat fluffer you, is something very different. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I think I'm thinking of it exactly the same thing as you are. <laughs> but you'd probably be able to market that and make a million bucks. I was going to say pussy fluffer, and then I, I bottled <laughs> out of it. I bottled out of it yeah, and said cat fluffer. Your brain, your brain said, "Say it anyway, Stephen. Go on, say it." No, I, well, you know, <laughs> we're past that. We can edit that bit out. <laughs> We uh, we're really just we say that it's a history podcast, but it is just turning into a wild inventions podcast. So so far we've got drag ball and a pussy fluffer, pussy fluffer, pussy fluffer. I mean, Scotland is famous for inventions, right? That's well, alleged inventions. Let's like let's scrape that barrel. Let's I love just scrape it. it. What's at the bottom of here? <laughs> I don't know if you would be able to get a hold of the, the song about Mary Barber and play it on the podcast. That would be interesting. Now that maybe it would just cost money and it's not worth it. Maybe you could get it and sing it, Adam. You know, you got a it. good voice, Adam. Yeah, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll just do that. But knock yeah. it out, yeah. And you're gonna do it now. See, so maybe you can edit that <laughs> yeah. in. You can edit that in no, that bit, and, uh, and then we'll just all applaud and say, hey, oh, that's yeah. beautiful, Adam. Lovely. That was really nice. Thanks. Nicely the done, man. The expectations are high. Yeah, I didn't even really... know you knew that song. Yeah, no, I'm just, I, 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 it was just there in the repertoire. I was not expecting you to. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to take the option up, but you really hit that high note. <laughs> I think, is that a high G it was? I don't know. I can't remember. The maracas were an interesting choice. <laughs> I don't want to tradi- know where you pulled that those out That traditional uh, Scottish folk instrument. The maracas. <laughs> Just going to be sitting here with all the instruments. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You know, I'd like to stop for a second because I I have this I have this urge just to check in and see how you're getting on with your old Scottish accent. Well, we get along we get along great. Um, yeah. We haven't gotten very far, but okay. we're we're good friends, bosom buddies. Right. So you've been practicing every day. You yeah. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> no. Um, but I I am gonna practice here now for you, Adam, so that you can check in and. So that uh, 
Stephen and Emma can roast me. Um, well, or, or or give or give constructive criticism. Back. Or give or, or well, a round of applause. Or Thank a round you. of applause. Yeah, yeah. If it's merited. Yeah. Fair. Man, the Scots my gut, my will not instinct. give you courtesy applause. Well, well, my gut instinct is I hope they roast you. That's that's just because of everything that's happened thus far in this episode. That's well, you have to remember that Emma is a teacher, so you'll actually be graded after this. <laughs> um, I may give you two stars and a wish. Can I know what the what the grading rubric is? <laughs> it's very fucking harsh. Oh shit! <laughs> All right, uh, Kathleen, can you please come on and tell tell me what what my line is? All right. So today the quote is coming from a film from 1975, the film Jaws, and the quote is, "You're going to need a bigger boat." Never seen this movie. Uh, like actually me neither I only saw it for the first time a couple of weeks ago and I thought it was shit <gasps> I know I know Adam Steven Spielberg's I'm... coming for us I know but I really didn't get it I mean what's to get <laughs> fucking shark eating people just, I mean it's it not an fish. existential exploration of the <laughs> meaning of life you haven't even done the mean? accent we're criticising the quote <laughs> it was all Jaws. part of my plan <laughs> Jesus Kathleen, please read my line again, and I will okay. I will perform for I us. I was being all. easy on you this week. I felt so. It's uh, from 1975's Jaws. You're gonna need a bigger boat. You're gonna need a bigger boat. <laughs> okay. Ooh. Now, now I Stephen dropped his head. Now I would like to maybe delve into that. Like, why? <laughs> why did I drop my head? Yeah. Because he wasn't listening. Um, no, I was. Oh, I was listening. He was letting uh, it wash over him. My dulcet <laughs> Scottish broke. No, it's it's this. It's the thing is right. Is you, the thing that you're gonna need a bigger boat? Right. <laughs> no, that was that's great. Do it again, please. That sounds uh, a little bit uh, like you're gonna need a bigger bigger boat. It's, <laughs> boat. Yeah, it sounds. A, I don't know. It sounds somewhere else. Do you know why I dropped my head when I heard that? It's because I have heard professional actors. Like big professional actors playing Scottish doing that accent. Mm-hmm. I was like hoping that. you were going to say doing worse than that. <laughs> no, no, I mean, that was as bad as it gets. So, but it really how, 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 however, but you'd probably get cast in a really big movie. Yeah, with you, that could, you could, you could, you could over get a, a Scottish person. Yeah, you could get a part in a, in a film over here doing that accent because professional big actors, Robert Duvall's. I will say oh, this: yeah, that's a bad Ro- the great Robert Duvall's <laughs> accent in a film he made here in Glasgow was worse than that. So that's why my head dropped because it reminded me of all of those terrible all accents of those that actors roles do. That you lost. American actors. Two I wasn't up for them to be Americans. fair, but I had to fucking watch them. <laughs> uh, you know, and it, it's so so. Distant. But I thought you did really well. Did you ever? Have you ever thought <laughs> after about after all that? After all that, <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you I thought, ever? I thought you did really well, Stephen. Have you ever thought about um, being shit at your own accent for a role? <laughs> oh my I, god! I that's, have been yeah. shit. Uh, I, I have had to. All right. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have had to I do that because seen... it's harder to do an accent that is just a little bit different from your own. So if I had to do, say, Adam's Dundonian uh-huh. or an Aberdeen accent, or I would be shit at it. I would be terrible at it. Because it's not far enough away from my own accent. Mm. Don't you just lose your R's when you're, well, when you say what are, 
right? Uh, I, glo- I, I yeah, I glottalize I everything in Dundonian. I glottalize everything. Is that? <laughs> Glo- I don't glottalize. I glottalize it. I glottalize. I glottalize. Yeah. Except for when he speaks to us, and then he he would he would say this line as, "You're going to need a bigger boat." And he would yeah, get he the does. fuck out of that tea. And I'm like, we want we want the authentic Adam accent. Um, Emma, I would love to hear my my grade, the marks that I receive in this. I would give you a B minus because I have heard, like Stephen said, I've heard Scottish actors doing shitter Scottish accents than that, including a film that Stephen was once in and we went to the premiere and I mistakenly kind of told the director how bad I thought many, many, many people in that film were because it was a historical film. <laughs> Stephen said I would never be allowed to come to a premiere again. <clears throat> I have since reconsidered and thought it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, a director at his own premiere being told by my wife how shit his own film was that I was in. It's a it wasn't even move. that it was shit, it was just like uh, you know how many historical inaccuracies you've got in that historical movie that you've just made? And he's like, well, actually, and she went, no, no, no. I'm a fucking history teacher, mate. Don't, well, actually, me. Yeah, pull out a notebook. Take notes. Yeah, yeah I mean, she, she'll get to come to another premiere. I'll never be in another one of his films. Yeah. I was going to say, meanwhile, the, direct, your the director's no. cut comes out and, and all of a sudden Stephen's not in any of, any yeah. of the shots. Oh, yeah, that's very possible. Uh, but no, I thought it was really good, actually. Uh, so well done you oh. well done I'm giving it a go I'm good. evolving at least it wasn't Irish no that's a good thing. oh no it definitely wasn't Irish it was definitely Scottish yeah it's closer to Adam's accent than mine I think yeah okay I, d- I do have to listen to him a lot I was gonna say that's like just you're being subtly that's the only Scottish accent we know I well I didn't I didn't pick a character I didn't pick another actor this time because last week I I did purposely I ch- I channeled Karen Gillan because it was the it was a longer line and it was easier to take. I think that was like, I think that was Claire's note was to like pick just like pick somebody and ju- <laughs> just do that one, just do theirs. Yeah. Mimic. It's uh, easier to mimic than just learn the whole accent. Yeah, which is why it's super fun that it's a different line and an and a line that's usually written for an American accent in American slang, or an English accent. That was every... my favorite fucking week <laughs> i want to hear adam say you're gonna need a bigger boat without hitting that t <laughs> this is just how i would say it right you're gonna need a bigger boat <laughs> i don't hear a difference between that and, and that's how i would have no, said no that's how i would have said it if i was actually on the boat i would have just been that kind of like mate you're gonna need a bigger you're boat, need a bigger boat i mean there's a big That's fucking shark there. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a very different film, wouldn't yeah. it? If you're just like, here, mate, your fucking boat's tiny. <laughs> no, no, that no. That shark's massive. You're going to need a bigger boat. Mate, what's with the wee boat? No, you know what I mean? mate. It's a fucking massive shark. You didn't can. You're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> eh? You're getting a bit uh, confident that was, now, that. That was, uh, that there was, was a ken, There was a Ken in there. That was there. so much better. That was the Outlander version, was Outlander version of Jaws. Outlander version of Jaws right there. Yes. Throwing a bit of improv in there. I love it. Uh, somebody call Sam Hewen. I am Jamie Fraser now. Uh, and on that note, at least I wasn't Irish. Back to the episode. <laughs>
was there anything from uh like Mary Barber's like past before before this moment before these rent strikes like is there anything from her like upbringing that would would you'd seem like oh yeah that makes sense that she yes because when she got married she lost her first son when he was only 10 months old to meningitis so she got really into health and housing kind of areas because of that um and once he had kind of passed and she was interested in that, she joined um, the Kinning Park Cooperative Group and that kind of really gave her a political training. So they, and again, really kind of forward thinking, but they, they started to give women training in running meetings and chairing meetings and that kind of political organisational experience that she might not otherwise have got. And so that kind of helped, I suppose, when she went on to lead things like the, the Govern Women's Housing Group and so on. But yeah, certainly wow. living in those kind of conditions, you know, getting married early, three kids, lost one. Um, so that certainly played a part. Yeah, she was she was over it at that point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know why when you described them barricading the the close, I just, I couldn't help it. I was picturing Les Mis. <laughs> but like the barricade <laughs> is all like prams. Scottish women. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Prams and babies. Prams like, and yeah. babies and flower balls. Wait, they were and... using the babies as <laughs> the barrack? <laughs> yes. Every pram had to have a baby in it. All the babies had switchblades, though. Yeah. So. I, that is that is that is actually very uh, kind of harkens forward to the laying uh-huh. the laying underneath the the car like yeah. the immigration vans, except for they did it with babies. But they did it with babies, absolutely. <laughs> Just put a baby between you and the people causing trouble and be like... Yeah, nobody's attacking yeah. that. <laughs> well, back then there was no internet to shame them, you know, to say, "How hey, look at the photographs of this. They, they're putting babies in harm's way. It existed as a moment in, in, in its own right. You know, if you did that now, that would be all over. There would be memes about it. People would be rubbishing them. It would, it would last forever. They would be able to be shamed online. So I think that... You know, that tipping point that we're at with social media and, you know, you can't do, you can't simply do something like that now. You know, obviously that's a bunch of men coming to tough someone out of their house. So you stand in front of them with prams and babies and the men go, I'm not doing that. It's a very simple exchange of morality there. You know, the women are saying, we're not going to move. The men are going to go, well, we're not going to move you out of the way. We're not going to start throwing prams out of the way. But if you were to do that now, it would become this huge thing online and the women would get shamed for putting the babies in harm's way and... You know, this victim-blaming thing that, that goes on. Again, I'm just off on a, on a rant about something. I, I love no your rants, though. Running. They're great. I can, like, you're so passionate. I am, but then I run out of steam <laughs> and, I, and I reach for my whiskey and I go, oh, I'll be back with another one in a moment. <laughs> I got to refuel. <laughs> I need another sip. I got to fuel back up on my rage. Uh, yeah, God, does it come across as rage? No, it was being funny. It's Shit. just no. It's just the it's just the accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do I do think though that that doing things like that with with children was definitely playing uh, to the men that were going to turn up there and say, you know, look, this is who you're trying to remove from here. 
You know, this is who you're going to affect. It's women and children that you're affecting here. Yeah, when they were marching against the landlords when the court case was going on, they absolutely utilised their kids and had them in the march holding placards talking about, you know, my daddy's away fighting the Germans and you're trying to turf us out of our house. So yeah. it was definitely a kind of political point that they were making with the kids. Yeah. Yeah, and then today, to Stephen's point, that would be on the news and they'd be like, you're using your kids as yes. like a prop and you're political. And it's like, but it's also just... We're reminding you who it's affecting. Yeah. We're yeah. sorry yeah. that we're reminding you that you're fucking over children. Yeah. And it seems that like landlords, um, I don't know, I think there, there needs to be something, uh, like some kind of database where you can review a landlord. Oh, yeah. Right? Because <laughs> like, like when, it always seems to be that they have the power. And, like they, and, and just now, I don't know if you guys have read that, but people are like auctioning off their rent of the accommodation so people can put in a bid mm-hmm. and then it's the highest bid that wins and then that's the monthly rent that you have it's like ridiculous that's shocking i know i know it was happening it's happening down in london of course it is but of course, of course it, is. it is landlords i think yeah they're, they're, there's such a demand for properties and i think it must have been the same then it must have been when mary barbara was kicking about it must have been exactly the same setup it was, and it was particularly in those areas like Partick, where, like I said, like the shipyards where that women had to, to be able to walk to their work, or in uh, Springburn, where they were working up yeah. to the, the railways factories. It was the landlords in those areas who started this off. So they were absolutely targeting women yeah. and women workers because they thought they would just roll over and pay it, and they didn't. I love it. I'd love that meeting when they went, listen, guys, it's not working. <laughs> all the women are outside, and they're wanting to put us in the balls. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they, they got um, like the big factories like Parkhead Forge and Fairfield Steel. They got the men to come out with them. So they got on occasion like 3000 men or 5000 men turning up to support these women who were being evicted. And that is kind of really reminiscent for me of the women who marched on International Women's Day in the Russian Revolution and threw stones at the men in the factories and went, get out here and march with us. And that's, you know, when it really kind of turned into something else. And I think having the support of huge numbers of men in the street really strengthened their uh, their activities. You know, they'd organised it, but having the men there on their side really proved that they weren't for um, kind of lying down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, proved it is proved it is not not a silly women's issue. Yes, absolutely. And um, but when the, I think I think the real turning point probably came when the men were threatening to strike, and that becomes a a war issue. Um, so Lloyd George actually came up to Glasgow and, and held a meeting because they were terrified that the guys would shut these factories down and that would be an end to war production. So having the men on side was a huge factor in why they were successful. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, it's like uh, the that labourers are actually the ones with real power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? I Wait mean, a minute, what? <laughs> I know. I mean, I mean it's, like, it's like the pandemic showed as well. Wait a yeah, minute. wait a minute. Your delivery drivers, <laughs> shop workers, nurses, teachers. Oh, these people are really important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What what was it the government here used to, the, well, the UK government would uh, refer to frontline workers and not it was like, you know, people with menial in, in you know, air quotes, menial oh, jobs. Oh, aye. Was what, it like... What was the terminology they uh, used? Low skilled. Yeah, low skilled. That was it. Low skilled Yeah, and it was the those people, those very same people who kept everything the country running yeah yeah and the billionaires were i don't know stealing more money i wish mary barber was still alive and you would just like 
plonker outside Jeff Bezos's house. Oh, well, Mary, so she could sort him. Out him. Yeah, <laughs> Adam, you're missing the point. The point is that we all need to be a little bit more like Mary Barber. That's be true. more Barber. Yes. Be, more, be Barber. more Barber. Yes, be I think we do. And we were actually talking about this the other night and and saying, well. You know, it's kind of on a local scale because it was Glasgow City Council and it was her city she was trying to help. So I think there are, there certainly were throughout history, but I think there probably are a lot of Mary Barbers out there yeah. right now working for the local communities. We don't hear about them because it's not on a grand scale. It's not Greta Thunberg. She's like the world's Mary Barber. Yeah, you know? yeah. She's trying to kind of save the whole planet. Yeah. But on a local scale, you know, I think we need to kind of look out for these people that are trying to make changes on, on a local level, you know, and maybe do a little bit to kind of help them out if we can. Because they will, they will still be there and they will still be trying to do it. Is it still, um, <laughs> Alexa, what's the weather? Passion or rain? It's not. It's nice. It's actually quite warm. And oh. here it's roasting. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. All <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I right. don't fucking believe you. You've got your phone on. I've not. I've and not. And Siri's just that. Why does she keep talking? Because you asked her what the weather was. Yeah, but why is she... she, she... Thanks. Jesus. That's amazing. <laughs> you could not have fucking planned that better. <laughs> that is brilliant. <gasps> I, th- I, didn't, I didn't even say it proper. If you, if you listen to this back, I kind of like mumbled it, but it's just still, it was still clear enough for her to hear. See, it won't understand you when you want it to understand you, but when you're no talking to her, yeah. she's in with your answers. Always listening. Silly Always there. Bastard. Rude. Very old Is it rude. still raining, though? No, no. No, no it's <laughs> no. not raining. Because I've got Aren't no windows here. Are you in the same place? Oh, because you're basically in a windowless room, and I'm in a, I'm, I'm in a cellar. So. I'm in the corner Adam of the room. looks like he's been kidnapped. Yeah, but it is like a different <laughs> climate over here from where you are sometimes, Adam. Like, even 10 minutes away. Yeah. You know, that's true. Be, that's be very, very true. But we're into that traditional Scottish weather where it gets really bad and then you go back to school and then you get fucking glorious weather. So he's outside sunbathing and I'm in a stuffy classroom with 30 teenagers. It just seems unfair. <laughs> that's a, that brought a very distinct aroma to my nose. In my like being in a stuffy classroom with thirty teenagers, I was like, "That is pungent." Just like that. Oh yeah. Get get, put Vex on you. Put Vex on the back of your finger or something like that. Would you stop trying to put various forms of Vaseline (laughs) and lubricant? I'm just trying to help Emma out when she was back. That used to be a thing. I don't know if you remember this or did it at your school, Adam, when people had those Vex sticks. Yes. And they used to rub them on their eyes. Oh, it, no. that was a thing that went round school, no? Oh, it made you, yeah, it made you cry. I like it was to see if you could keep your eyes open when you put the vix in your eye. That because kids are dicks when they do that. <laughs> That's just one teacher opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, so, so, some kids are not dicks. Some kids. Some kids are not dicks. The ones that are vix in their eyes <laughs> just to see <laughs> if they can are clearly dicks. Yeah. Right? We also had we also had one at school where it was a thing to put people against the wall and press in their chest. Oh my god, I do out. I do remember that. Yes. And they passed out. And you're like, yeah, yes. I think you've Oh cool, he's passed out. <laughs> you've basically done CPR on someone who doesn't need it. <laughs> But that was a thing. I know it was. So and uh, don't try this at home, kids. <laughs> and all the kids maybe are like, all right, I'll maybe try it's at just school a, then. Cool. I don't, maybe it was just a Scottish kid thing. I don't know. Don't try this at school either. 
Yeah. Don't try this at home. Or school. Or yeah. uh, anywhere. Park. Anywhere. <laughs> Just anywhere. Yeah, I won't advertise this on my school Twitter page. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What? what? So, listen, can we get back to Mary Barber? <laughs> she used to put her hands on her pal's chests uh, <laughs> to knock them all out, to lay them out as a barricade, uh, and their wains could sit on their chests while they... Yes, Mary Barber, do you have yes. any other uh, fascinating facts? Well, I think her well, kind of thing was moving, you know, after the rent strikes, just moving into general civic life, being a councillor, and then becoming one of the first female magistrates in Glasgow, and she did that for many, many years. So she was kind of, you know, judging cases, and I was really That's unusual. That's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Yeah, that yeah, is it was amazing. really unusual for that to happen. Mm-hmm. There was like three or, three or four women, I think, at the same time as her, so she wasn't the only one, but she was certainly one of the first ones to become a magistrate. How, how old was she when she was doing it, when it was all kicking off, and she was like, you know, you know I would, I'd assume uh, a regular woman who was just so annoyed. <laughs> a regular woman. You know, but do you know what I mean? Like, she was just like your average yeah, yeah. woman who was just like, I'm pissed off at everything. I'm going, <laughs> not everything, but you know what I mean? Like, the, the landlords, I'm going to stand up for everyone. How old was well, she? I'm, ru- I'm rubbish at maths, Adam, right? Uh-huh. Like, really bad. So she was born in 1875, and she was doing the rent strikes in 1915. 30. So. 40. <laughs> Are you just <laughs> numbers? <laughs> 65, don't know. Um, but yeah, so. No, she was 40, 40 years old. Oh, is that right? About 40. Aye, 40. Old. There you go. And she died, she died when she was 83. Wow. So That's yeah, quite she, old for yeah, back then as well. She's, yeah, yeah. she's a fair old uh, go at it. Cracking. It's a wonder that, that, I mean, it's such a particular story. It's a wonder nobody's made. That's exactly what I was going to say. About well, it, there has been a play, play I think at the Traverse, like maybe celebrating a hundred years of it. So there, there has been that, um, and there is now a statue to her in Govan. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a Mary Barber statue that was unveiled a few years ago. But yeah, there hasn't been a movie, and I had discussed this with Stephen last year. Like I had a real kind of idea that I'd love to write a film about her because I think visually you know that stuff would be amazing yeah. you know seeing people getting pelted with flower bombs and you know yeah. women with prams and beating up sheriff officers and stuff I think I think it could be a great film I think it would be a brilliant musical <laughs> here come the sheriff officers yeah. get your wings we're going to have a barricade <laughs> no I mean obviously <laughs> we wouldn't sing the songs written, nor would we write them but written by somebody who's actually good at doing that kind of thing Adam might guys you know? I was about to say look, hey, I've still got all my instruments are still here all my instruments are still here do you want me to just get cracking could yeah, you yeah, get your maracas out okay great <laughs> Oh, that was brilliant. Oh, wow. Yay! Yeah. 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 Another song to, to edit in there, Adam. That would be brilliant. Gorgeous. <laughs> I, just, I just wrote that song. It was so deep, wasn't it? It really oh, it touched on. It was fantastic. It was, it was really so beautiful. All the main themes. Yeah. I don't know who Mary Barber was. It was great. <laughs> I felt like it was a bit like Whose Line Is It Anyway when I just like kind of cracked open a song. And in just, the like, style boom. of... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Could you do it reggae? <laughs> oh, reggae. That's the whole... Musical about Mary Barber should be yeah, done in a reggae oh, style. No, please. That would be brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to get working on that UB tonight. UB40. Yeah. Mm-hmm. UB40 is like that. Political. Mm-hmm. Like it. <laughs> um, I forgot what I was going to ask. Oh, uh, Adam. Yeah. Yes, that's me. Does. Does Mary Barber fit in the time? You could 
you could have a Mary Barber moment in your show that you're working on, or does the timeline not add up because you're no, it's that's in eighteen hundred. Yeah, that's a bit mm-hmm. early, doesn't well, it? Well, you know, if it keeps getting renewed into more and more, <laughs> eventually we can get to Mary Barber. We could. I'd love to see the police turning up at Mary Barber's demonstrations. That would be great. I just want to see her as as one of, like, I just want to see all the female magistrates. Mm. That would be great, wouldn't it? That'd be cool to start it like that. You see her in the court, just yeah, like... Yeah, wearing her robes. Yeah. And then it's like, and then they go, and then they do a record scratch, and then it's, (laughs) (laughs) and then it goes into reggae dub mix. (laughs) I just love that she, like, I guess basically, like, caught the activism bug and like stuck with it. Like, it wasn't enough for her to have these all of these smaller victories, and then this like larger victory with the rent strikes. But then to to keep to keep going and to like and to join the system to create change from within is uh amazing i really like uh what you said Stephen, about having about how we should ask our listeners to write in with uh the mary barbers of of their towns that they know of that are creating change in like small local uh councils and and governments yeah, I think that's a really important. Uh, that would be really interesting to kind of do a little segment on one of your shows and say, yeah, we've got... These are people that you should be looking out for. Yeah, you know? highlight them, highlight their work so that we can all learn to be more barber. More barber! That's a T-shirt. So I want to be seeing you wearing one on the next show, Adam. Yeah. That'll be on the... That would be on the press night launch of the musical. Yes, yes. be more barber. That's the name of the musical. <laughs> that's, that's the, the name, name of the, the musical. musical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, guys, we need to get our heads together. Yeah, we gotta we gotta wrap this up because we really have, we have to write some. <laughs> we got, we got a lot of writing to do. I know, uh, Emma. I know you wanted to write a novel uh, during but your master's, I, I'm, but I'm, no, I'm good. We, musical. I'll do the musical. Yeah, we got we gotta we need you to do this instead. <laughs> Please focus yeah. all of your efforts in your in your master's um, course on, on be more sing the theme tune, play the theme tune. <laughs> Rick Rankin can play Mary Barber. Hey! <laughs> what a handsome woman she was. <laughs> what a beard. Yeah. The eyebrows on that Mary Barber. <laughs> now, now Richard's never going to want to come on the podcast because he's going to be like, you guys bullied me and I wasn't even there. <laughs> yeah. And to that we say... We're, give, we're casting him. We're casting him and, and stuff. We're we'll just giving him a job. Yeah, we're protecting his, the future of his career. We're ensuring yeah. that he has work and job security. Because oh. we care for him. Yeah. Aye. Because clearly he needs it. Yeah. A, a real struggling artist. Yeah. Um, Stephen, tell everybody one more time where, when and where they can catch uh, Vigil and your appearances, your run on Shetland. Oh, I think that uh, Vigil is on the BBC. It is. One. Uh, <laughs> the, BBC the BBC one, one as they call it over here. Uh, the first of the BBCs. The uh, first of uh, its family. The first of its <laughs> the name. First of the f- the original channel uh, number one BBC channel number one September is when I'm September ish ish on the BBC and I think that will be available to people with the BBC all around the world I think 
wherever the BBC is available. Uh, Shetland is a, an ITV show, but it does sell all around the world, so I, I don't, I really don't know when that'll be. They're hoping that this series will be out at the end of the year, so we'll be looking at maybe November, December for that, and uh, that should be that should be a good one. I'm looking forward to that coming out. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. Emma, tell everyone where they can catch the first uh, preview of Be More Barber. <laughs> Before uh, at the Lyceum. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm really hoping for a run like next Fringe next year or something. So I'll aim for that deadline. Great, cool, 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 cool. cool. <laughs> Excellent. When is your when is your piece of writing that you did that I filmed the thing? Oh, That's yes. going to be online for people to see, isn't it? A little monologue, um, which I think will be online before the 20th of August for Play a Pine a Pint uh, or more and Amazing. the lovely Bissett. It has read it for me and Stephen filmed it while they were in Shetland. So nice things to look at, lovely words to hear and that will be online before the 20th of August. Amazing. Excellent. Who read it? Sorry, I missed that. I spoke over it. I spoke over it. Who, who, who read it? Coda Bissett. Oh, brilliant. Great. I'll have to get her on. Yes, you should get, you should get Coda on. She's... She's fantastic. Um, that's amazing. We'll post uh, we'll post all about that all that information on our social media, which is we are at under the kilt pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Emma and Stephen, if you want to plug any social media channels, go for it. Uh, personal uh, things related to me, and no, I have none. You can follow me on social media if you like. But I don't do much, so it's probably no <laughs> worth your time, to be honest. I don't tweet very often, and I don't post any photographs on Instagram. I'm actually quite shit at it. So. No, honestly? <laughs> Congrats. Yes. You really sold it. <laughs> I mean, guys, just throw all your phones in the bin. Go out and live life. Talk to your neighbours. Yeah, but then, but then where... Be more barber. Yeah, be more barber. But then if you don't have social media, how can we all lambast you if we ever feel that you did anything wrong? Oh, oh no, I, I, ha I have it. Uh, but I'm a bit of a voyeur. So I have it so that I can look at what other people are doing. If people are on it to see what I'm doing, they're going to be sorely <laughs> fucking disappointed because I don't do much. It's just my way of, of sneaking about and seeing what's happening in the world. I don't really creepy get bastards. involved. I'm a creepy bastard online. <laughs> That's his handle. It's at creepy bastard. <laughs> at creepy bastard. <laughs> Weirdly, it's just my name. So if people can't fucking find it and figure it out themselves, I mean, I'm no, I've not made up any funny handles for myself. It's just my name. At Stephen McCall. I do have a vision of you now as like some creepy bastard sheriff, kind of Bailey type, um, you know, coming onto stage during the Mary Barber musical <laughs> with a terrible theme tune every time you come on. Oh shit, did I just audition for <laughs> Be More Barber we'll, without knowing it? We'll get back to you. <laughs> We're working off of a list to Thank start. Thank you so much, oh, Stephen, uh, for coming in. Yeah. Oh, fucking hell, man. Really good. Uh, thanks, but we'll be in touch. We'll call you. This is the most awkward audition I've ever done because I live here. <laughs> so, can't actually and go anywhere you know to cry. You still won't hear. I know. Still won't hear anything. You'll, just, you'll still be ignored. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. <laughs> but can you do a self-tape for me? Ano here. Another one. Another one. <laughs> and Emma, what, what about you? What are you on the so socials? Yeah, no, it's kind of hard, you know, the teacher thing. So oh, I, I kind of okay. keep it on the on the download for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> so just yeah. in case, just yeah. in case, because it's a bit a bit sweary sometimes. I, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, uh, her handle is creep 
creepy bitch. <laughs> um, they're a perfect uh, match. The two of them. You really should. We're going to start them up this evening. <laughs> creepy bastard and creepy bitch will have new Twitter handles by the Twitter accounts by the end of the night. Perfect. I love. I love to inspire change, like Mary Barber. <laughs> yes. You're totally being more Barber. Yep. I love it. Uh, and I'm serious, listeners. If you want to email us at uh, we're under the kilt pod at gmail.com and send us send us some uh, folks to shout out who are you know the Mary Barbers of your of your local. Uh, let us let us know. We'll maybe we'll start doing a social media. Um, a regular thing where we where we post about some of them and call some attention to some some folks out there being more barber. So, oh my god, we've, have we made a hashtag? I, oh we god. fucking did it. This we've said it enough. Yes, we've said it enough times that it that it's a hashtag. It's now. on a t-shirt. It's a t-shirt. Yep. It's going to be yes. songs. <laughs> Musical. Sung by Adam McNamara. Yep, it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> Adam, have I forgotten anything in my little rapty rap? I don't think you have. I think you've touched on everything. Oh, uh, fantastic! Well, then uh, you can you can tell our listeners our favorite thing to remind them at the end of every episode. Well, I just want to thank everyone for listening and to remind you all: stay breezy under the coat. <laughs> This episode of Under the Kilt was edited and produced by Kathleen Mueller-Mason. Original theme by Tyler Collins, aka Two Meter Man. Additional music by Gareth Spin. Original art by Sarah Cruz. Thank you again to our guests, Emma Noble and Stephen McCall, and to the girls at Shared History. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.